One of the all-time most watched TED Talks was given by a professor named Robert Waldinger. And Waldinger happens to be the fourth director of this, the Harvard Study of Adult Development. So this is, as far as they can tell, the longest continuous study of adult life that's ever been conducted. Here's what they did. In 1938, they started tracking the lives of 725 men to see if they could find any trends or things to learn about life and (laughs) the road ahead based on in-depth study of these men. And so they uh, started out that year, and what they've done since then is every other year, they have a survey or sort of a questionnaire that they go through with all of the men. Um, They also have done such things as taking uh, medical records and brain scans and, and blood tests, all of these types of things to see if they can see some trends. Uh, The purpose of the study was stated as this, to better understand What makes a person fulfilled, healthy, and happy? And and so that the results weren't skewed by a particular background of people, they made sure that the test group was varied. So this was a Harvard study. About 200 of the participants were, at the time, teenage students at Harvard. But then the rest of the group were teenagers from several neighborhoods in Boston, some representing the the poorest or the roughest neighborhoods at the time. Now, some of these 725 men, um, a few of them are still alive. Most of them have passed on, but as they looked over the span of of their lives, they, they found that, as you might guess, their experiences were quite varied. Some of these men grew up to be factory workers, Others were bricklayers, some were doctors, lawyers. One of the 725 actually became president of the United States. Uh, Some struggled with alcoholism in their adult years. A couple had been diagnosed with schizophrenia. They found that some of these men climbed the social ladder over the the span of their lives from the bottom all the way to the top and that some went the other way down the ladder from the top to the bottom. Waldinger says there are tens of thousands of pages of research and of data about these 725 men. And as they try to find trends, they found that there is something that was true in every single person's life something that they took away from the study. And guess what? It had nothing to do with how to get rich, had nothing to do with success or fame. I'm gonna let Robert Waldinger tell you in his own words what they found. The clearest message that we got from this 75-year study, this TED Talk was a while ago, is this. Good relationships keep us happier and healthier, period. Now, as you know, we are at the end of a series that we're calling this the the road ahead. For those of you who haven't been with us, what we're doing is acknowledging that when it comes to the future, the road ahead in our lives, there's a lot of things we don't know. 
There's a lot of things we don't have control over, but we don't have to fear the road ahead or just throw up our hands and just let life happen to us that God gives us certain actions, certain attitudes that we can tweak or shift so that we'll be ready in part for whatever may come next. This Harvard study, it really is, don't you think about the road ahead? They're, they're analyzing what to expect on the road ahead. And it's an interesting thing and an interesting time because just as of late, for the first time in American history, over 50% of Americans describe themselves as being lonely, not having good friendships in their lives. And there's a lot of reasons for this. The last 18 months has been, of course, a part of it, but it's not all of it, right? And then when sociologists study how loneliness has an effect on people, they recognize that it has an adverse effect on everything, including physical health and life expectancy actually decreases the more lonely someone feels. Now, if you're someone who knows your Bible, this really, the results of this study shouldn't come as a surprise to you. Because throughout the pages of scripture, God tells us about the importance of community and friendship over and over and over again. In fact, in the second chapter of Genesis, so the very beginning, creation, as Adam was created, and then in this creation that God gave, here's what God said. It's not good for the man to be alone. And this is the place where you ladies can insert the joke about how there is no way that men could survive or function healthy without a good woman next to them. And yeah, I see some not heads shaking yes to that. It's probably true. But the bigger point here is that God created us for community. He created us with a, a desire, a longing to do life together. And while there might be little windows where it's nice to be alone, <laughs> that loneliness is not something that really anyone for a long span of time truly desires. But here's the other thing about friends. And this is important to consider as well. It's not just the presence of friends in your life, it's also the quality of the friends in your life. I mean, you might have lots of friends. You might have close friends. But if they're heading down a bad road, guess where you'll probably end up? On the same road. And as parents, if some of you are, or grandparents, it's at this point that you're thinking, man, I really hope that my son or my daughter hear this. The power of finding and bringing close good friends. But now that I'm in middle age, you know what I've found, adults? That this is just as much a trap and something to think about for adults as well as teens. I'm guessing over the span of your life, all of you can think of an adult friend who all of a sudden, because maybe a new job or maybe because of a new, um, let's, 
activity, started to get connected to a group of people that thought differently, that prioritized differently, that just was a, had a different view of life. And all of a sudden, it's like, what happened to my friends? As they too are going down that same road. And for some of you, maybe, maybe you'd have to admit that you're that person or were. You know, Solomon wrote this about life. In Proverbs chapter 13, he said, walk with the wise and become rich, healthy. Yeah, I heard some people mouthing it. Yeah, you walk with the wise and you become wise. And a companion of fools, someone who walks with fools, well, they're going to suffer harm. People are like wet paint. When you stand up next to get, get, when you stand up next to them, they rub off on you in one way or another. And so this leads to our first fill-in for today. Your friends will affect the quality and the direction of your life. They will. The people you call your friends, those people you hang out with the most, those people you bring into your inner circle, your friends will affect the quality and direction of your life. And young people, this is also why you need to be so, so careful and wise and connecting with your parents about this when it comes to selecting your best friend in life, that being a spouse someday, because your spouse will affect the quality and the direction of your life. So if the quality of your friends makes a difference, here's a question. What makes a good friend? (laughs) We could have an entire sermon series on this. There's a lot to think about there. But for the time that we have together today, As I think of the road ahead, as I think of the reality that people are like wet paint and they do have an influence on the road ahead, there's one thing I want to focus on. And to me, it's foundational. To me, I believe this one thing is kind of where you start in selecting the people or gravitating towards certain people to be um, in your inner circle of friends. We're going to go to what I would call a lesser known section of the Bible today. It's uh, the book of Second Chronicles. I'm going to set it up a little bit for you so you kind of get some context. We're about 900 years before Jesus was born. And the nation of Israel, that would be God's chosen nation to someday have the Savior come from it. Uh, they are now a divided country. I have a little map here for you. So the nation of Israel now was divided at this time between the, the northern kingdom, also called Israel. It retained the name Israel. And at the time of our text, the king there was someone you've probably heard his name before, but I would advise you never to name your son this. You can name like a dog you don't like or something, but not a son that you love. His name is Ahab because he is probably one of the worst people in all of the Bible, just an evil, evil king who had no time for the true God. 
In the southern kingdom, it was named Judah. And at the time of our text, the king there was King Jehoshaphat, another name that I wouldn't name your son, but for different reasons. It just would be unfortunate if his name was Jehoshaphat. But he actually was a godly king. And for the most part, he led Judah in a God-fearing way. Well, at the time of our text in chapter 18, here's what's happening. So Ahab has it in his mind that he would like to attack the country of Aram, which is kind of under his picture here, is where it's located, and take back a city there called Ramoth-Gilead. And what Ahab does is he asks Jehoshaphat, it's just fun to say, Jehoshaphat, whether he and Judah would like to join him in this battle against Ramoth-Gilead. Here we are. Chapter 18, verse three. So Ahab, king of Israel, asked Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, will you go with me against Ramoth Gilead? Jehoshaphat replied, I am as you are and my people as your people. We'll join you in the war. But Jehoshaphat also said to the king of Israel, first seek the counsel of the Lord. So to summarize, Jehoshaphat says, yes, We'll join you. We have a connection. We used to be one kingdom. We'll join you in this. But before we do, question for you. Have you asked God about this? And to put it in our vernacular, it's something too that we could have an entire sermon on, but I'll just give you this you know, quick reminder. Whenever you come into big decisions for life, don't ever make them without prayer. To think about what Jehoshaphat is suggesting and to think of it through the lens of 21st century Christianity, he's basically saying, Ahab, have you prayed about this? It continues, verse five. So the king of Israel brought together the prophets. Talk more about who they were in just a second. 400 men and asked them, Shall we go to war against Ramoth Gilead or shall I not? Go, they answered, for God will give it into the king's hand. So as it says, Ahab gathers 400 prophets. Now that word prophet sounds very godly. And most of the time it is. But these weren't real prophets at least not prophets of the true God. And in fact, I would say these men were, well, they were yes men of King Ahab. They knew how crazy of a guy he was. They had seen him kill people for much less than going against the opinion of the king. These guys were on the payroll, so to speak. And so if you are on the payroll and you are serving a king who, you know, was a couple crayons short of a full box, okay, what would you tell the king? You'd tell him anything he wanted to hear. You're so great, Ahab. I'm just humbled to be in your service that you would ask me what my opinion was. You're so wise. Your judgment is impeccable. <laughs> yeah, go. 
And 400 of these yes men, 400 of these guys on the payroll of Ahab, they all had the very same message, go, go to war. What a great idea. Well, king of Judah, Jehoshaphat, he wasn't impressed. He kind of saw through what was going on. And so Jehoshaphat asks this question. Is there no longer a prophet of the Lord here whom we can inquire of? And this is just a little bit of a reading of the Bible tip for you. And many of you know this, but I know a lot of you don't. When you read through your English Bible, whenever, especially in the Old Testament, um, whenever you see Lord in all caps, that's a direct connection to the Hebrew, the original Hebrew. It's basically signifying that in the Hebrew, the word that's being translated is the name of the God of the Bible. It looks like this. It's pronounced Yahweh. But whenever you see Lord in all caps, it's not like general God or general Lord. It's, it's a reference to the true God, all right? So Jehoshaphat's like, yeah, there's a lot of prophets, 400 of them, but is there not a real prophet, a prophet of the Lord of the Bible, the Yahweh available? And then you gotta, you gotta laugh at this response. The king of Israel answered, there's still one prophet through whom we inquire of the Lord, but I hate him. I wonder why. Because as Ahab, this king who, you know, had his own opinions as he gets these crazy ideas, he had experiences with the prophet of Yahweh telling him he's wrong, telling him this isn't good, telling him the truth, telling him the truth. There's still one prophet through whom we inquire of the Lord, but I hate him because he never prophesies anything good about me but always bad. He's Micaiah, son of Imla. You see, Micaiah was a prophet who told Ahab what he needed to hear, not just what he wanted to hear. And I believe you and I need people in our lives just like that. We need people who love us enough to in those moments where they see us making a bad decision or a bad choice or something that is somewhat disconnected to the will of God that would love us enough to say, have you inquired of the Lord about this? Maybe we should talk about this. And that we as people, man, we cannot be so defensive that if someone in love comes to us with a message that goes against maybe how we think, just pause for a moment, take a breath and listen. Because one of the worst places you can be is so lonely that there's no one in your life that's willing to share the truth because they're afraid of how you react. See, number two fill in, a true friend will tell you what you need to hear, 
not just what you want to hear. You know, maybe, maybe something like this happened to you that you had a big decision to make. Maybe it was about a relationship. Maybe it was about career. Uh, maybe it was uh, some other financial thing. And you kind of had it in your mind exactly what you wanted to do. And in that moment, you're kind of wondering whether it was the right thing to do, but you were set. And you knew there were people in your life who would have probably a message for you or a conversation with you that would disagree with what you really want to do. And in those moments, has it ever happened where you're like, you know, I could ask him, but <laughs> I know what he's going to say. I could talk with her, but man, I know what she's going to tell me. This is something that we come into relationship with, that we come into sort of situations like that all the time. What was the biggest difference between Micaiah and the 400 prophets? Probably some boldness, but there was something else. Let's go back to verse seven. Again, it says, is there no longer a prophet of the Lord here whom we can acquire of? The prophet Ahab needed was someone in his life who was connected to the truth of God and was willing to share it. Someone who came from a biblical, or I'll say it, a God perspective rather than a world perspective. And if, if there's 400 people coming from a different perspective saying one thing and one person coming from a God perspective saying the other, well... The one is more powerful than the 400 and more important. Now, do any of you have 400 prophets around kind of speaking in your ear, trying to get you to do the wrong thing? If you do, let me know. We, we need to work on getting them, you know, out of your life. We, we don't relate to that, but I would say we have thousands of voices speaking in our Ear. And the way that I would sort of generalize or the, the word I would give to that, these thousands of voices is the voice of culture, the voice of the world. Um, and this is not just something um, in the United States, in the world you live in. Forever, there has been this voice of culture ringing in people's ears that have a message that so often, in most ways, conflicts with what God tells us. The voice of culture gives us messages about what is uh, right or what is good when it comes to dating and sex and marriage. The voice of culture shouts into our ears about what is cool, what is pretty, what does success look like. The voice of culture is constantly telling us messages about you know, what is purpose all about in this life, what to do when someone offends you and how you just cancel them. And over and over and over. And it's a pretty loud voice. And there are many that say the same thing. 
But I hope what you're coming to realize tonight or at least or today, but, or at least being reminded of is this. It's not the quantity of the voices you listen to. It's the quality. And, and very rarely does the voice of culture mesh with the singular voice of God. And when it comes to finding people that you follow, that you walk with, that you bring in to discussions about big life decisions or even sometimes smaller ones. You know what Solomon says about, you know, if you walk with the wise, you become wise. You know what he says about wisdom? He says this, it's the fear of the Lord that's the beginning of wisdom. It's the respect of God. It's the understanding of who he is and what he has done. It's the people who understand that they're not an accident put on in this world to just sort of live for themselves, but that we have a creator, God, who put us here. And if we're created and we're creations of the creator, that I don't figure out my purpose, he gives it to me. And that's an entirely different worldview, isn't it? These wise people who fear the Lord are are the people who understand that I'm a sinner, I'm imperfect, but I have a savior God who has died for me, given me an eternity in heaven in spite of my sin, and now empowers me to live a life of response to what he's done. That this is my life, but it's really not my life. It, you see, it's a different perspective. And, and I'll, I'll tell you this, that when you inquire of people, when you bring those people into your, your close circles, they're not going to always get it right. They don't have a crystal ball. You don't have a crystal ball. And in many ways, we're just trying to figure out sometimes the best decision together, but there is a different starting place. See, the the voice of culture starts with this question in figuring out what's next. What do I think? How do I feel about this situation? The starting point as we wrestle with what might be the best next step for us in life or how do we answer a question is not that, not what do I think. It's a different starting point is what does God think about this? And how does God feel about this? And so to use the words of Solomon, that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And when you walk with the wise, you'll become wise. My encouragement for you is to be very diligent and deliberate, number three, in staying connected, but to choose wise friends to travel with. We have lots of friends and acquaintances. Some, for many of us, it's a very broad scope, but those two or three, or five maybe, that you really walk closely with. For guys, sometimes it's no one except your wife. And while that's the best one, I would encourage you to have a good male relationship with someone who also can understand some of the the joys and the challenges of being a husband. We We don't gravitate towards that very easily, not as well as women do often, and so important to choose wise friends to travel with. So 
Ahab, he ends up bringing Micaiah in, okay? We're back to the text. And can you guess what Micaiah said? I already alluded to it, but he, he says, don't go to war. Don't do it. And kind of humorously, I had to get this verse in here. You can read the whole chapter on your own. But the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, didn't I tell you? He never prophesies anything good about me, but only bad. I told you what he was going to say. That's why I didn't call him in in the first place. So Ahab puts Micaiah in prison and decides to go to war. Part of Micaiah's prophecy was that Ahab, if he went to war, would die on the battlefield that day. Ahab doesn't care. Let me ask, how many of you have heard this story before? And you don't, a few of you. Let me ask this. How many of you think you kind of know what's going to happen to Ahab? Even though you've never heard it. And, and I want you to know that for people outside your situation, so often it's so clear. Like if they go on that path, I don't know all the details, but I kind of know where they're going to end up. If they marry that person, I kind of know what's going to happen. If they make that decision, I can see it. It's like a movie. You see the script. It's like if Ahab goes to war, I know what's going to happen. It's when you're in the middle of it that we get so distracted. And that's why it's so important to listen to good friends, wise friends. Verse 33, someone in the battle drew his bow at random. At least that's the way it seemed. God knew what was going to happen and hit the king of Israel between the breastplate and the scale armor, where if you Google those things, you'll know that to get an arrow in between those things, those two parts would be super difficult. The king told the chariot driver, wheel around and get me out of the fighting. I've been wounded. And so all day long, the battle raged and the king of Israel, Ahab, propped himself up in his chariot facing the Arameans until evening. Then at sunset, he died. It seemed to be a random archer with a random shot into a random group of soldiers but there should be no surprise because Ahab had been given a message from God in a very special way for him. And he disregarded it to go with the message of the masses and the road ahead for him ended on that day. And we, we started today with this. It, it matters who you are listening to. It does. Your friends will affect the quality and the direction of your life. And so as we consider that, as we apply this to our lives, some questions that I'd like you to wrestle with, and then if it's possible, make some appropriate tweaks to your life as we continue down the road of life. Number one, 
I want you to think about who are you listening to? <laughs> For some of us, it might be, what are you listening to? What are the influences that you allow to most influence the way you view life, the world, your career, your marriage, and so on? And then who do you need to quit listening to? This can be one of the most powerful things you can do to stay focused on that which is most important. Quit listening to some voices. Turn some news stations off. And then... The corollary to that is, is there a person? Is there a blog? Who do you need to start listening to more? See, the cool thing is that, yes, there are a lot of things about the road ahead that we can't control. But number four, we may not choose what's on the road ahead, but we do have the ability. We've been given the opportunity to choose who we travel with. And who we travel with matters. So as we close, I know that this message probably hits many of you in different ways. For some of you, when you hear about the importance of having wise friends who fear the Lord in your life, your reaction to this is you're thankful. You're, you're thankful for your friends. You're thankful for your spouse. You're thankful for your husband because you've got that in your life. For others of you, you're feeling overwhelmed because as you look around your life, you're like, I don't know where to find friends like that. And I see the importance, but I'm overwhelmed because I don't know how to do it. And let me say this, it doesn't happen overnight. It takes time to cultivate friends like this and small groups at North Cross can be a great way to begin to cultivate that. Some of you here today might be feeling a little guilty because you know that you've been or are in a season where you're listening to the wrong voices. All of us, at one time or another, I know this is true, that there have been times in life when you've felt alone. That might be physical. So you look around you, or it's a Thanksgiving, or it's a Christmas, or it's your birthday, and you look around and there's no one there. That's hard. For others of you, you've been in a room filled with people and felt all alone. Because you just don't feel like anyone really gets what you're going through. But as we close this series and as we think about the journey ahead, I want you to know something. You are never alone. I don't know what's on the road ahead. You don't either. But you don't walk it alone. And the night before Jesus died, he had his disciples in front of him for one more time before he would die. And as he recognizes that they would maybe feel a little alone, Jesus told them this, I no longer call you servants. That's not what I see in you. Because a servant doesn't know his master's business. It's just a transactional relationship. Instead, 
I've called you friends. And everything I learned from my Father, I've made known to you. And then the next day, Jesus proved that friendship by giving his life for those 12 men and for you and for me. The greatest way a friend shows himself is that he'd be willing to lay down his life for his friends. And that's what Jesus did. And so whether you're surrounded by a ton of great people or whether at least right now you're feeling a little alone, I want you to know that Jesus is your friend. He's, he's the best one you got. And with him, you truly never need to feel lonely. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you for, first of all, giving us people in life to do life together with. And for some of us, that's so many. For others of us, maybe we're in a season where we're searching. And Lord, I pray that we be deliberate in getting connected to, to people, but not just any people. It's not the quantity of people in our lives, it's the quality of people in our lives. And pray that you uh, give us not only the opportunity to receive encouragement from a godly friend, but also to give it. And Lord, as we think about the future, as we close out this series, we thank you that because of you, we never need to be alone. Pray all this in Jesus, our Savior's name. Amen.